Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. So glad to see you all here today. We are wrapping up our series in the book of Colossians. Um, jumping through uh, chapter by chapter here for these four weeks, fourth chapter. Uh, open your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter four, and I want to show you a couple of things before we uh, land on the specific verses we're going to use as our focus this morning. Colossians 1 started out as Paul's sort of introduction to these people. He had never met them. He was not a part of starting this church. A man named Epaphras, one of Paul's uh, followers and disciples, helped to start this church in Colossae. And so Paul was writing this letter of introduction a little bit. In the first chapter, Paul talks about um, how we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. Paul lifts up Jesus in the first chapter. Um, He spends a lot of time talking about who Jesus is. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn above all creation, for all things have been made by him, for him, through him, and, and he's holding all things together. All those beautiful Christ-exalting things. In chapter 2, Paul talked about some of the issues and struggles that were going on there and challenging the people to not search for outside knowledge or special knowledge, but to, to really claim Jesus as the central, supreme person in their lives and that all they needed was not extra religion, but they needed to, to really know and enjoy and love Jesus. They needed to be people of grace and truth and not people of ritual. And then in chapter 3, we looked last week at this idea of some things that would help us break the cycle of indulgence. And we looked at all those things of setting our minds and setting our hearts on things above and uh, putting to death those things that are part of our earthly nature and um, ridding ourselves of some of those sinful things and then clothing ourselves uh, with good and godly things. And then today... In this fourth chapter, Paul is wrapping up the book. He's wrapping up the letter to them. You have to remember, this literally would have been on a piece of parchment, uh, carried, and it would have been started out as it is, Paul, you know, apostle of Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you, and then all the way down to the end, it's a conclusion, like a letter. So throughout this chapter four, you have a lot of personal notes, and Paul is giving uh, a lot of say hey to this person and say hello to that person, but a couple of things I wanted you to see that were interesting in chapter four. Look down, and it it will not be on your screen uh, behind me, but look down in, in verse 16, Paul says, after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read to the church of the Laodiceans. This was a church about 10 or 15 miles away from Colossae. And and also that in turn, you read the letter from Laodicea. And you may be thinking, wow, I have looked all throughout my New Testament. I have not seen the letter to the Laodiceans. That's right. It's a letter that's from Paul, but it's been lost to history. Isn't that interesting? So I want you to see that little fact in there this morning. And then you can also see um, in verse, uh, let's see where it went. Verse 10, he says, my fellow prisoner, Paul is under house arrest in Rome. Um, He says, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him, and if he comes to you, welcome him. That's a little reference to something you may have been, may, may be familiar with in the book of Acts, where um, John Mark, the, the 
relative of Barnabas was sort of a guy who abandoned the cause for a little while and he was sent away for a little while. There was a a bit of friction on the missionary team and Mark was sent away. Well, now we hear later, evidently there's been some reconciliation and that this is Paul giving Mark a thumbs up and saying, "If, if Mark shows up there, you may have heard some instructions about him, but receive him well. So just some little tidbits going on here in the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians. There's a whole lot we could focus on. There's a whole lot we could could camp out on. But we're a young church. We're almost six months old. We're trying to figure out who God wants us to be. We're trying to lean into the voice of the Holy Spirit for how God wants to speak to this church in the way that he spoke um, to the people in that church in Colossae. And as I've been praying about you and thinking about this, Two verses jumped out at me this morning, and it's verses two and verse three, and we're going to use those today as our jumping off point. I hope you're ready to read a little bit here in these verses and then take lots of notes this morning uh, as we uh, lean in to what God wants to do in our hearts and in our church. Verse two, Paul writes and he says emphatically, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful as you're devoted to prayer and thankful as you're devoted to prayer. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message. He's talking about the message of the gospel. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. In those two little verses there, Paul says, here's my challenge. Here's my closing mission. As the letter is wrapping up, if I could just say one thing to you, Paul is kind of looking them in the eyes and he's saying, here's the deal. Here's what I need you to be about as a church Devote yourselves to prayer. Don't wait for the pastor to call prayer week. We're probably going to have one of those in a few months. Those are good things. But don't wait for the pastor to say it's time to pray. Devote yourself to prayer. And as you do so, do it in a watchful way. We'll talk about this in a moment. And do it in a thankful way. We'll talk about that in in a moment. And pray for us too. Paul's talking about me and Luke and Aristarchus and all the other people he mentions that are kind of hanging out together. They're trying to minister to the the guards. They're trying to minister to the people who come by and visit. They're hoping to kind of have some influence in Caesar's household. Uh, they're, They're working hard for the gospel even as a prisoner. Man, isn't that inspiring? As a prisoner, he's like, I want to influence the outside while I'm on the inside. (laughs) Isn't that inspiring? That Paul is saying, "I, I may be under some really difficult circumstances, but I have not forgotten about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the spiritually dead people around me need to hear about spiritual life in Jesus. The people who are hopeless need to hear about hope in Jesus. The message of the gospel needs to reach every nook and cranny. Everybody needs to know that there is a God and that there is a way back to him. And Paul says, it's this beautiful imagery there. He says, pray that a door may be opened for the message. People of Hope, where are you praying for the message to get in this week? Insert your company's name here. Pray that a door would open at your business for the gospel to come in with force and joy. Pray, insert your school name here. Pray that a door would open, that at your school, oh, probably not at my school, at your school, a door would open for the powerful, life-changing truth of Jesus to come in. 
This is the challenge of the spiritual leader to pray that a door would open for the gospel. And he says, this is why I'm in chains. This is what it's all about. I'm willing to go to prison for this. I'm willing to suffer for this. This is what it's all about. Pray about this. So out of these two verses, let's unpack some things together this morning. I'm going to do this under the outline of four things that Paul would want us to be, that God would want us to be in light of verses two and three of Colossians four. Number one is be devoted to prayer. Number one is be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to prayer. What is prayer? A lot of us have grown up in church world. A lot of us have known Jesus for a lot of years, even some of us a few decades. What is prayer? Is prayer 911? <laughs> is prayer sometimes? Is prayer this informal, intimate moment between a child and a father? Sometimes. Is prayer this moment of anguish before God when you're weary? Sometimes. It's all of those things. But I want you to think carefully this morning about what prayer is. Let me give you a couple of ideas. Prayer is, um, first of all, it's an up-close moment with the God of the universe. Hello, how amazing is that? It's an up-close moment with the God of the universe. The God who said, let there be light. The God who separated the light from the dark and from the, the, the void to, the, to this physical sphere that we uh, live on. The God who flung the stars into place. The God who holds gravity into place right now. The God who is beyond history and time. Prayer is an up-close opportunity with the King, the Sovereign Lord. Prayer is also sharing what's weighing on your heart. Prayer is sharing what's weighing on your heart. Now, prayer is not informing God about what's in your heart, but it's sharing what's on your heart. Our God is sovereign, true? Our God knows all things. Our God is like, wow, thanks for that prayer request. I had no idea. God is never having a moment like, man, thanks for telling me that. I did not know. God knows already what is weighing on your heart, what is burdening you, what's giving you anxiety, what's giving you stress, what's giving you fear, what's giving you worry. God, God understands perfectly what is causing you to feel weak and helpless and overwhelmed. God understands and knows it all, but there is something powerful and meaningful in the child crawling up into the lap of their dad saying, this is what's on my heart today. And I just want to come to you and lay it at your feet because your word says that I should cast all my cares upon you. When our kids were little, we would have these bedtime moments and would tuck them in after silly games and brush teeth and pajamas and all the things you do and prayers and Bible stories and all those things and get the kids tucked in. And from time to time, I'd look them in the eye and I'd say, you know, how are you doing? Anything bugging you? And chances are when my son or my daughter would say to me, well, this is going on, or I didn't like this today. I already knew that that went on today. But there was a moment. There, in the little bed, by the glow of the nightlight, a little moment where I was like, oh, 
I'm so sorry that's going on right now. Daddy loves you. Let me pray for you in that. It's going to be okay. Prayer is that. You're not informing God, but you're sharing with God what's weighing on your heart. And then lastly, what is prayer? Prayer is this mysterious invitation to participate with God in the work of heaven. It's this mysterious invitation to participate with God in the work of heaven. Let me ask you a question. Does God need your help or my help to do what he wants to do? No. (laughs) Does God need to be informed about events in your family or workplace or school or relationship? No. But for some reason, he invites you and invites me to pray. As a matter of fact, he commands us to pray. The God who does not need our help and the God who already knows mysteriously invites us to participate in the work of heaven. Wow. That's amazing. God invites you in to just go into battle for that friend of yours whose marriage is falling apart. Go into battle for your own marriage, for your kids, for the situation, for the sickness, for the need, for the fear, for the loneliness, for the depression, all those things, just to go to God with that stuff. And he already knows about it and he doesn't need the the magic prayer in order for him to act. He's not sitting in heaven saying, I can't go until you say go. I can't do anything until you ask me. But for some mystery, we don't understand it. God invites us. That's what prayer is. So Paul says, be devoted to that. Be devoted to this up close moment with the king of the universe. Be devoted to this parental sharing of what's weighing on your heart and be devoted to the mystery of participating with God in his eternal work. Wow. Be devoted, people of Colossae. Be devoted, people of hope. Be devoted to prayer. Prayer is always built on faith. Kyle, what what do you mean by that? Prayer is always built on faith. It's built on some I believes. I'm going to give you some I believe statements this morning. I'm going to give you four of them. Here here it is. I believe God hears me when I pray. That's the first foundation of prayer. The second one is, I believe God cares about what I pray about. I believe God cares about what I pray about. The third one is, I believe God can do anything. The fourth one is, I believe God always answers prayers. So check out those things. It's, it's the faith that we, that we build our prayer on. I, I, I believe God hears me when I pray. Little old me. Inconsistent me. Struggling me. Don't have all my junk together, me. Scarred, wounded, me. I don't have a big name. I don't have a big Instagram platform following. I don't have little old me. I believe the God hears me when I pray. Secondly, 
I believe he cares about what I pray about. I believe he cares about what I pray about. A lot of years I spent in student ministry before a lot of years in collegiate ministry before a few years in lead pastor ministry, but my years in student ministry were always interesting and sort of being an adult working with teenagers, there would be this seventh or eighth grade girl who would show up to our youth group meeting and she would just be devastated that she has ended things with the love of her life and her life is over. In seventh grade, the boy she has been going with for two weeks, they never went anywhere by the way, they were just going together. It ended, and there in seventh grade, she's figured out that her life's over. Well, as an adult, you could look at her and just go, my goodness, in like 10 minutes, you're not even going to remember this boy's name. You're going to spot some other boy. By the way, quit looking at boys so much. You're in seventh grade. You're going to say, in, in three months from now, you won't even remember this happened. In six months from now, in five years from now, you will not have any memory that this happened whatsoever. Get over it. As an adult, you could be rational and do that, but you don't do that because you love these people. So right then, in that moment, to this little seventh grade girl, you know her life's not over. You know there are going to be other people. But for her, that's her world. And you don't scold her for hurting. You don't scold her for feeling it down deep. You just say, I'm so sorry. We're going to be with you walking through this. I think there are going to be better days ahead. Hold on. God's not finished with you. Your story's not over. And God does the same thing with you. You bring these things before him. And he, as the God of the universe, can go, why are you so worked up about this? If you could see history like I see history, you're like, I, I'd kind of like to see history, please. I'd like to see how it's all going to go. If you could see how it's going to be fine. How in the world do you not trust me? What about this time and this time and this time and the other several hundred times I have been faithful to you? How in the world are you so worked up about this? Just get over it. But he loves us. And our Father in heaven says, this is your world right now. And if you care about it, I care about it. And if it's weighing on you, it's weighing on me. I'm with you in this. And I'm so sorry you're going through this right now. And I'm with you. And I can tell you there will be better days ahead. There's a beautiful truth to come into prayer free. I don't have to evaluate whether this is a worthy request of Almighty God. If it's my world right now, He cares about it too. I don't have to filter my request to sound spiritual. I don't have to filter my request to think, are they deep enough or significant enough? I don't even have to stop in the moment of prayer and go, well, wait a minute, there are are people starving today and who don't have anything and here I am asking you, I shouldn't even ask you for that. If that's what you care about in that moment, your Father in heaven cares about it too. That's the foundation of faith. He hears me and cares about what I'm praying about. Third, I believe our God can do anything. 
I'm sorry. I believe our God can do anything. That's right. Anything. I'm going to pray a little bolder. I'm going to ask some God-sized prayers. I believe he hears me. I believe he cares about what I'm praying about. I believe our God can do anything, and I believe God always answers. Many of us have heard these things before. You've heard this one. He always answers. It's either yes, no, or not now. Yes, no, or not now. Those are always answered. God is always faithful to say yes, no, or not now. Prayer is built on faith. So people of hope, let's pray, not based on our track record, but on the fact that we're beloved sons and daughters of God. People of hope, let's pray, not based on what we think we can do, but what we think he can do. Let's be devoted to that. Let it be said of us that we are a free and joy-filled people because we enjoy free access to our Father who loves us so. And we're asking him for the kingdom. We're asking him for stuff that sounds semi-crazy. We're asking him for stuff that when he does it, he's going to get the credit for it. Let's be devoted to that. I want to give you a little teaching and instruction this morning about prayer under the heading. We're still under number one, by the way, but relax. It's going to be all right. Give you some instruction today about how to pray in groups. This is one of the things that Christians struggle with all the time. How do I pray in a group? I'm in a circle with my community group or I'm with a group of people. How do I pray in a group? Oh my gosh, it's my turn to pray. I'm going to pray out loud. How do I do that? Well, first of all, we have to remember it's about leading and serving. Uniting the hearts in that circle around God-honoring things. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray and there's a group of people and it's my job right there. I'm leading and serving. I'm serving the group. I'm going to bring up the things, not to the group, but to God. I'm leading and serving to unite our hearts around some God-honoring, God-pleasing things. We need some solutions, and we want to bring some praise, and I want to lead in that. And I want to turn my attention to the Father, and I'm going to pray out loud, but the rest of the people are not listening to me. They're praying with me. Because that's the second thing about praying in a groups. It's about agreement. It's about agreeing in prayer. So that when I pray out loud and I say, Lord, we would love an open door at Middle Tennessee State University so that we might be an influence to those young men and women, so that we might help them meet Jesus, so that we might play just the tiniest part in absolutely changing the trajectory of their lives. And you in the circle are like, yes, I'm for that. Amen, Lord, yes, do that. And you could even say that out loud. That'd be really okay. You don't have to. Yes, Lord, that's agreement in a group prayer moment. And that. That just reflects unity in that moment. Okay, this person's the leader in that moment. They're in the circle. They're leading us, and they're, they're praying to God, and I hear them praying to God about an open door MTSU, and I'm like, oh, yes, I am for that. Yes, Lord. Do it, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, Lord. 
That's agreement in prayer. So you're not passive. If there's a person leading in a group, you're just not sitting around twiddling your thumbs. You're in it with them and you've got a leader and you're praying with them in agreement. Next thing about praying in groups is it's not about impressing others. It's not about impressing others. We've all had those moments when you're in a prayer group and I remember distinctly when I was a teenager, maybe 14 or 15, thinking like, all right, we're all taking turns praying and there's three more people before it comes to me and man, I hope they don't pray the thing I was about to pray because then I got to come up with something new and gosh, I want to come up with a good one. I want to come up with a good one. And it was all about impressing people. And we don't get over that just because we're not teenagers anymore. Sometimes we forget the audience of our prayer is not each other. It's the Lord. I believe history will reflect someday that one of the greatest gifts in our generation um, as a theologian and an author, as as a pastor, his name is John Piper. I think history will reflect one of the strongest, deepest, most helpful teachers, pastors, theologians for the church. History will bear that out. And three or four years ago, I found myself in a little prayer triangle with John Piper. And we all had to pray. Dude's deep. I mean, I just imagine he wakes up in some, like, Hebrew phrase, I don't know what. He's incredibly personable, very humble, nice guy, great, wonderful, wonderful guy. (laughs) But I'm in this prayer triangle with John Piper, and I've got to pray. And I find myself as a guy in his early 40s going, oh no, what am I going to say? This is John Piper here. You can slip into it at any age. I've got to say something deep. I got to get an ology in there or something. I got to get, I got to get, I got to, I got to, I got to get a good one. And all of a sudden I forgot. I'm, I'm not talking to him. We're going before the throne of God together. And right now he's leading me. And then in just a second, I'm going to be leading him and the other person we're standing with. And this is what this moment is about. And it was a great course correction kind of moment. It's not about the words for each other. And so don't ever give a thought, well, I'm not a very good speaker. I can't pray out loud. You're not talking to the group. You're talking to your father who loves you. No matter what your grammar or vocabulary is like. So pray in groups and agree wholeheartedly. Be vocal, be verbal. Embolden that one who's leading. Fire up their passion to keep going after the heart of God, praying big prayers of faith because you're in agreement with them. Whoa, yeah, God, I'll do it. You can do that, God. Just bring agreement all into that moment. But never any fear or anxiety because you're not talking to them. You're talking to him. So 
What is prayer? We talked about that. Prayer is also built on faith, all those faith statements, and then praying in groups, all those things. Be devoted to this. This is what he's calling us to. So this isn't a drudgery. This isn't some sort of duty that's cold and sterile. This is an opportunity. This is an amazing invitation to go to the God who loves us no matter what our life is like, who has all power in his hands. This is an opportunity to go together to God at times. This is a beautiful father-child moment that's sometimes intimate, sometimes loud, sometimes passionate. It's all these things. And the Apostle Paul says to them and to us, POH, be devoted to this. Be devoted to this. So this is the last little question on number one. Relax, it's going to be okay. What qualifies as devotion? If we're supposed to be devoted to prayer, what qualifies as devotion? And by the way, if you're wondering, yes, those devotional books, this is where that word comes from, this, this idea of, of, of a devotion. We're devoted to prayer. I'm going to have my devotional moment. I'm going to have my devotion moment. I'm going to have my morning devotion or my evening devotion. That, that's where this, what is that, what qualifies of that? Let me give you some pictures of devotion a little bit. One of them is some of us in the room, we on, get on Instagram and we have followed certain hashtags. So whenever somebody's talking about a certain topic, we want that showing up in our feed. Your, your, your hashtag may be, you know, MTSU football. Anybody's talking about MTSU football, I want that showing up. It may be Alabama football. It may be, it, it may be canning fruits to make jelly. Hashtag. I don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't know what your hashtag is. Some of you guys following that. You're devoted to that. I love that topic. Anytime anybody's talking about that topic, I want to hear that topic. Yours may be something political. It may be about a hobby that you're into or all those kind of things. You just want to be tuned into that. Some of you have Google alerts. I'm devoted to that. I'm so devoted to it, I want an alert to pop up. Anytime something's up on the news about that or online about that, I want to know about that. That's one kind of devotion. That's a great devotion. Some of you love Tennessee football, and orange is your world, and you are just, you, you are just glued into that. You're devoted to it, and it's a fun thing, and it's a beautiful thing, and that's great. That's a picture of devotion. Think about all the time you spend, the radio shows you listen to, the articles you read, the conversations you have with strangers <laughs> who are wearing orange, the, the conversations you have at work and with your relatives, and the time you spend... That's a picture of devotion. So, okay, bring that devotion to prayer. One of the other most powerful pictures of devotion are some things that I've seen over the years in ministry of a, an adult child caring for their elderly and dying parent. And they're in their last weeks or months. And they just need round-the-clock care. But you're devoted. You're devoted. I'm going to drop what I've got. I'm going to be there. Even when it feels like I'm not doing anything, I'm in. I'm just there. I've seen on a couple of occasions... 
a spouse have to deal with an ill or an injured spouse or a spouse that's suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia and they're just devoted. They're just there. They wouldn't have it any other way. Take that kind of allegiance, that sort of fidelity, that sort of consumed, that sort of I'm all in no matter what, that sort of I don't care if anybody else knows how devoted I am, I'm that devoted. Bring that to prayer. Devote yourself to time in the presence of Almighty God, asking and sharing, receiving and enjoying. Devotion practically looks like seeing prayer as your habit of having an all-day conversation with God. Prayer is devotion. Devoted to prayer, it looks like this. It's, it's your habit of prayer as an all-day conversation with God. I remember when I was little, someone said, start your morning with a dear Lord and finish your day with an amen. It's an all-day conversation with God. So let that expand your heart a little bit about prayer, that it's not just in your prayer closet or in your special chair at your house or on your back porch at your house or in your car or wherever. It's not just in those places. It's an all-day running conversation with the God of the universe who calls you beloved. Be devoted to prayer. Well, I can't get up early or I can't find the time. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a habit of devotional prayer all day long. Guess what? Number two. We're moving on. These last three are quick. Paul not only said be devoted to prayer, he says be watchful in prayer. Be watchful in prayer. This harkens back to um, Jesus talking to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was saying, listen, I'm going to go over here and pray. And this is where he had the conversation with the Father of not my will, but yours be done. If there's any way this cup can pass me by. And, and this is, he said to the disciples, just watch and pray. You guys hang out here and watch and pray. Be watchful in your prayer. This is that moment you know, when you're thinking about um, being watchful um, in, in prayer, this, this idea of, of um Epaphras, it says down in your text, if you look in verse 12, it says he is wrestling for you. Colossians 4.12, he's, he's wrestling for you in pr prayer. <laughs> Somebody's praying for balloons to fall from heaven. That's awesome. Welcome to POH. We planned that. No, I'm just kidding. I, mean, I wish we could. For those of you listening on audio, a balloon just floated down from the ceiling and there was much rejoicing. But be watchful. Remain alert. That's what that word means in, in the original language. The, the idea of watchful, be alert and diligent. Um, I, I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon, who was a 19th century preacher in England. And he said, 
He said, if you ever have this thought, I'm not going to pray because I don't feel like praying, that's absolutely silly. It's like a a sick person who says, I'm not going to take the medicine because I don't feel very good today. So the times we should pray are probably the times when we don't feel like praying. Be watchful, be alert, and diligent in your prayer, especially when you don't feel like praying. Pray with bold humility. Think about that. I'm gonna be alert and watchful in my prayers. I'm gonna pray with bold humility. You can do anything, so here I come. All of it in Jesus' name. All of it with thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All of it is hallowed be your name. Bold humility. That's another concept of this idea of watchfulness in prayer. I would add this alertness. I would add that you would be quick to pray for someone. Maybe you've had these experiences where the Lord just brings somebody to your mind. I call it a little nudge in my spirit where the Lord just brings somebody to my mind and I've learned over the years I need to listen to that and I'll just send out a text or I'll just call a person or I'll just say, hey, the Lord brought you to mind today. How are you doing? What's going on for you? But I'll also pray for them. Let's be quick. Let's be watchful that when someone just brings somebody's name to your mind or a face to your mind, pray for them. Let's be quick to pray for them. But lastly, let's be also quick to pray with them. I would love this to happen at POH, that regularly you look around and there's somebody standing there praying with somebody else. There's somebody who's just like, oh, that's going on in your family. I wonder, can I pray for you right now? And they just stop right there in that moment and pray for you. Just the two of you right there in the doorway or right next to the curtain or right there while everybody else is picking up chairs. Man, thanks for sharing that with me. Can I, can I pray with you right now? I want to go to the Father with you right now. I'm not going to pray 20 minutes. I'm not going to pray for everything around the world. I'm just going to put my hand on your shoulder and I'm going to love you. And together, we're going to agree that our God hears, cares. He can do anything. Let's see what his answer is going to be. Let's be quick to pray with. Number three. Two is pretty fast, right? (laughs) Number three. He says, be thankful in prayer. So we're called to be devoted to prayer, be watchful in prayer, and we're also challenged to be thankful in prayer. This is our attitude in prayer. So that when you pray, pray with an attitude, a coloring over all of your prayer is a thankfulness. Never lose the wonder that you have access to the throne room of Almighty God. And never lose the gratitude that you have, the thankfulness in your heart that says, I'm only here because of what Jesus has done to make a way possible. Jesus gave his life as an innocent sacrifice on the cross and drank the cup of the wrath of God, all of the guilt that you deserved and I deserved for sin. He took it upon himself and he died as the lamb and shed his perfect blood and he 
made this sacrifice and God accepted that as payment in full for the guilt of your sin and my sin. God raised him from the dead three days later and God has made the invitation to each of us that if we will believe in Jesus as the son of God and if we will follow him as the Lord and leader of our lives, then we shall be changed as sons and daughters of God transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the son and we can call God father and we can pray anytime. But unless you believe in Jesus, unless Jesus has gone and died, unless Jesus has made the way, we'd still be enemies of God. We'd still be separate from God. We'd still be excluded from God because of our sin. But praise be to God for the gift of Jesus. Our way maker, our way maker, our way to the throne. Thankfulness. Come in with humility. Thank you, God. Don't come in with some squeamish, I don't deserve to be here. That's not who you are. You are a blood-bought, cleaned-up, righteous son or daughter of God. And when God looks at you, he does not see the pile of your sins. If you're a believer in Jesus, he sees the righteousness of Christ on your life. And he loves you just as you are. We come in thankful for the opportunity to call on him. One of the best ways that you can express thankfulness in your prayers is through a mealtime prayer. Maybe you've got these habits that you grew up with where someone said grace or someone said the the meal prayer or uh, you've got that one relative that like every Christmas for your entire life they've prayed the same exact words and the same exact prayer it's almost like it's printed somewhere they're you're not sure they know any other prayer words and there are all these exact phrases and all those kind of things and bless their heart that's fine that's okay that's cool but maybe you had these little traditions in your house sometimes um, in my house um, we're taking the time to stop and join hands and have this moment of giving thanks to God for the food that's in front of us and sometimes um, in in our world uh, we look at each other and we'll just go, I'm so grateful to God. Are you grateful to God? I'm grateful to God. Awesome. Let's eat. But be thankful. Your mealtime prayer is one of the ways that you can be devoted to prayer and be thankful in it. And at a restaurant, it's one of your public ways to display your faith in Jesus as you're giving God credit for the food. And as you do so, remember that your thankful prayer over your meal, it's about receiving and Praise. It's not about blessing the components of the food. You're not asking God to take something unhealthy and make it healthy. You're not asking God bless this food. The, the idea of the mealtime prayer is this is my daily bread. Thank you for giving me my daily bread. This didn't just come, and I didn't have the money to pay for this just on my own. You got me the job. You gave me the funds. You gave me the opportunity. You made this possible. You provided the cooks. You created the the recipe. You created the ingredients. Thanks be to God. And in the simplest, most childlike way, we've got food on a plate, and it tastes good, and it's beautiful, and it's sustaining, and it gives us energy, And it gives us joy. Thank you. For this, thank you. Your mealtime prayer is one of those ways where you can stay connected to thankfulness. 
Number four, last one. Be devoted to prayer, be watchful in prayer, be thankful in prayer, and lastly, be a missionary in prayer. Be a missionary in prayer. Paul's challenge in this, he said, also pray for me and our group here that, the, that God would give us an open door for the message. So be a missionary as you pray. Ask God to open doors for the message of hope in Jesus. I challenge this um, with you guys at the very beginning of the teaching this morning. Um, insert your company's name. Insert your school's name. Insert your family's name. Insert your neighborhood's name. God, open a door for the message of hope to come here and use me. I'm willing. I'm in. God, do this. God, the people in my job, they need Jesus. They need hope. They're struggling. They don't know that they can come. They don't know that they can be clean. They don't know that they can be forgiven. They don't know that they can become your child. They don't know that your arms are wide open, not full of scolding. They don't know what Jesus has done. They haven't heard the message of hope and grace in Jesus. God, open a door at my job, at my school, where I live, in my family. Be that kind of prayer. Be a missionary when you pray. Friends, when we do this, and POH as a church, when we do this, we're so young as a church. We are following just to keep up with God. We're trying things. We're not sure what's going on. We're just doing our best. But as we do this, as we're missional prayers, as we do this, it trains us to care about people and their standing with God. Because the worst thing that can happen for you and for me is that we enjoy this place and get comfortable. And just, it becomes all about us. I kind of like the music. Teacher's not bad. Coffee's decent. I got my seat. This is where I always sit. This is my spot. Slide in, cozy, comfy. I got my church. I found my church. And I think hell is happy to let us do that. Because what hell does not want is for you saying, oh my goodness, this morning the pastor said all this about God as our father and about God, how he looks at us and God's love for us. Oh, I can think of this person who needs this and this person who needs to know this and this person who needs the Lord and this person, it must be so dark in their world. That kind of thought is the way we want to pray. So God, I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for my office. I'm praying for my situation, my opportunities. I'm praying for my campus. I'm praying that God, you would open a door. Break down the doors, God. That the name of Jesus might be made famous in my company, in my school. That the grace of God might just blow some people away. And that hope might take root in the heart of one who's almost at the end of their rope. Are you praying those kind of prayers, people of hope? Because the Apostle Paul has said, God has said, be devoted to prayer and be watchful and be thankful and pray that a door would open for the message. And as we always do, at the conclusion of time in God's word,